Taylor Decker's on my all 22 fantasy team, by the way. Stop. Stop it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Taylor. I don't care, and I'm in the league. I'm just trying to hype up the future of fantasy football yeah. here. They told me we could hype it up. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. That's one of the uh, cardinal my rules way. of broadcasting. Regardless of the medium, they don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right? Your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is gonna, it's gonna change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Made myself proud. Say, look at me now. Hello and welcome to the All 22 Podcast. My name is Chris Lombardi and I'm joined by my uh, partners, Bobby Acker and Ray Cotto. Uh, for those of you that haven't joined so far, uh, this podcast is essentially just everything All 22 in relation to the NFL. Uh, guys, we have been live now for a little bit less than a month. How are you feeling? Yeah, we are back. We are live and I feel amazingly tired uh, and exhausted <laughs> from the launch. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been incredible. Um, the feedback has been awesome so far. Great to have so many of you on board. And uh, yeah, it's, it's overwhelming and exciting. Yeah, the cool thing is, is that like you mentioned feedback and like people haven't been afraid to tell us exactly what they want, right? <laughs> like our inbox has been full, our email has been full of just like people asking for different features. And I think that's probably why we haven't had a podcast in a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, but no, really cool that people are so open and uh and willing to help yeah it's always love what you guys are doing this looks awesome we love it but can we also have this 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 and like we love that because that's exactly what we want ray said it a couple times that we're like the podcast of the people we are the the fantasy football game of the people like we want to make the best game possible and that's our commitment so um yeah like with that we've gotten all this feedback and we've already made some updates to the game that you have you know you the listeners have asked for we have uh, changed. Uh, we have changed it so that you can now change the clock timer. Um, before it was set for two minutes. Now you can do anywhere from seconds to, I believe, the maximum is sixty minutes at the moment. Um, so that was a piece of feedback we got from you, and we went in there and we made the change. You can now have your commissioner shuffle the draft order, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, so once once everybody joins, it'll go to kind of like a standard order where if I join first, I'm going to be the first one to get to get the first pick. Um, but then you can have the commissioner now shuffle that. So it randomizes. And then uh, something we're really excited about too is the league chat. So before the league chat was part of the draft client. Uh, so you would be able to see that when you were on the draft page. Now it is uh, site wide and it'll carry from page to page. You can message the entire group. Uh, so during the draft, like I hope a lot of you were talking smack after the draft, you know, start talking about trades and you can do that all within that chat feature. Anything else to yeah, add? Yeah, make sure you have your commissioner uh, shuffle that draft order because more often than not, it's the commissioner who's going to get the first pick if they don't. So if your commissioner's picking first, something's up. Might want to go check the league settings page. Which is why we have a chat feature. You can now yell at the commissioner. Exactly. Call them out. Call them out. All caps. All caps, baby. And then the promo code. So again, if you haven't joined yet, we want you to, we want you in here. We want you playing. We want you enjoying this game that we made for you. Um, and right now you can do that with promo code all 22 PFF, all caps. Um, and that's good for 40% off your subscription in year one. So with that guys, um, I had a funny story I wanted to tell you. So just like a personal note. So I, I'm not much of a golfer. Um, 
I've only gone maybe a handful of times in my life. Bobby, you're always trying to get me out there. Some of our other friends are always trying to get me out there, but I don't, not that I don't like it. It's fine. It's just like, you know, I'd rather go play basketball. I'd rather try to be an athlete. Um, but anyway, they, they got me out there. Golfers aren't, golf, golfers aren't athletes. Okay. okay. I, I take. There's a, there's a few of them. There's a few of them. Oh, oh few, okay. Yeah. Now, now you backtrack. They're, they're essentially backtrack. the first baseman of, of sports, right? They're like the first oh, baseman. Now first baseman on athletes. Like when they get, <laughs> when they, when they're like done being athletes, they go play first base, right? Jesus, dude. That's why, that's why we have a, a 36 year old first baseman on our team, right? <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, one of my friends got me to go play and another one of my friends had actually given me some clubs, which was really nice of him. He was, he, his parents are moving. He had to get rid of them. Uh, so he offered them up. So I go play golf. Uh, first couple holes, I literally, I'm, I'm just hitting the ground every time. Like I'm not driving the ball at all. Uh, kept it, when I did hit it, it just like launched, right. It was just shanking it. Um, so I think it was the fourth hole. I launched one, right. First shot that I actually get it like to go maybe like 150 to 250 yards. I have no idea. Um, but I do shank it, right. Lost the ball. Couldn't find it. Thought nothing of it. Just continued on. So three holes later, there's a golf cart coming by us and they're like, Hey, did any of you guys like lose a ball a couple rounds ago? And I'm like, no, why? What's going on? Um, turns out that some guy got hit in the head, sent to the hospital, uh, unconscious. And I think it's me, right? Like I don't tell this guy that it's me, but I think it's me. I'm not trying to be like a jerk, but like I had no idea what this guy wanted. I didn't know somebody got hurt, but now I'm like, I already said, no, I can't, I can't say yes now. Um, so I'm really nervous. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I hurt somebody. Um, we, we were actually, it was the day after our baseball game where the pitcher that was pitching to me broke his arm pitching. So I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Maybe I'm just bad luck, you know, this week. And uh, I think that the entire round of golf till the end, when the guy comes up to me and goes, we found out who hit the ball. It was another guy. He came up to us and apologized. And yeah, so for, for, what is it? 18 rounds of golf. I thought I had like put somebody in the hospital on oh my, like, God, my fifth dude. game of golf on clubs that I had just gotten, but thank God I didn't. So that's my little fun story for the day. All right. At all 22 underscore Chris on Twitter. All right. <laughs> if he offended you at any point in his story or rant about first baseman golfers and baseball players, I think we should change it to like at all 22 underscore murderer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> Jesus dude. All 22 bad luck. That's what I am. Yeah. All right. With that, let's jump into the topic of the day. So we're going to be discussing the all 22 team, the all all 22 team, right? So it is the top players that we picked that we thought are going to have the best futures with uh, all 22. If we were starting a team, this is collectively kind of the names that we came up with as these are the guys that we think will be the best. We didn't just do it nilly willy. We came up with an equation. Guys, tell me some of the factors that went into this. Age, certainly, right? Recent grades, um, their surroundings, that's a big thing too. Uh, but really when you're building your dynasty team, we say it all the time, you're looking to win for the next three to five years. So we're looking at a team that's going to say, okay, it's guaranteed to win you that in the, that, next to, that next three to five year period. So I think that's kind of the way I've been looking at this team and these factors. Right, anything to add? Yeah. Injury history too, right? Availability, yeah, you have to be you have to be on the field. So 
some great players were, were dinged and down on some of our rankings lists because of recent injuries. Um, that gave some people some heartburn, but yeah, you, you got to be on the field to make the list. So it, it matters. Cool. Yep. So with that today, we are going to go through the offensive side of that team, starting with quarterback and guys, we came up with Joe Burrow. So I think that's kind of a shock to a lot of people. You know, I think most people would want to see maybe Patrick Mahomes up here. Um, so Bobby, why don't you kick it off? Why did, why did Burrow end up on top? Well, I'll be honest. I did want to see Patrick Mahomes in here, but we'll get to that later. Um, but Joe Burrow is still 25 years old, graded almost a 92 in his second season in the league, and did that like almost without an offensive line. His offensive line was pretty pretty damn bad. So to put up a, a grade like that, coming off an injury the way he did from his rookie season, and to go go to the Super Bowl, take his team to the Super Bowl, 92 grade of a 92. Um, I think that's super impressive. So definitely could understand why somebody would take him over Mahomes and, and why he's here on this, on this list. Yeah. And I think just to add to that, you know, one thing PFF grades capture a lot. One thing they just can't capture is like the impact a coach has on the player or the impact that, you know, the player's contract has, has on the team. But Burrow is in a situation where I don't think he has like maybe a top five coach in the NFL and he also is still on his rookie contract. So, you know, I think you get two years of Burrow still on a rookie contract, maybe three more if they, you know, they give the fifth year, which they most likely will, although he might get extended before then. But he's on a relatively cheap contract. They can continue adding talent to that team around him, which will only make his situation better. And to do that with, to, to reach a Super Bowl with, you know, a not top five head coach, I, you know, it's really impressive to me. Bobby, you think he's a top five head coach? I mean... I, I think we haven't seen a lot yet, but I mean, I don't think you can say right now that he's he's not. I just, I, I, don't, know. I don't know. Maybe too soon to make I a decision make, on it. I think you can make a case. You can make a case. Okay. Right. Thoughts? I think outside of a select few NFL head coaches, you can kind of throw them all into a suit and it really just comes down to how good their players are, right? Um, I think there's very few true value add coaches in the league. One being Andy Reid, um, the other being uh, Shanahan. So, yeah, I guess I don't feel strongly about it either way. Maybe he ends up being a value-add type guy that, you know, he'll prove himself down the line here in the next couple of years. But, um, yeah, I mean, you, you got to prove it to me first before anything else. So I, I don't have a strong opinion on it. I guess I'm straddling the fence. Okay. All right. Well, we didn't add a, an all-22 all head coach to this list. Maybe we'll have to do that later. Um, but our quarterback is Joe Burrow, and we're going to move on to running back. And I don't think it's really a surprise to anyone. It's Jonathan Taylor. Um, Ray, you want to take J JT? Yeah, it's it's really easy, right? I mean, he's a great running back behind one of the best offensive lines in football, maybe the best run-blocking offensive line in football. Um, you know, they added Matt Ryan, so it's a veteran QB who can, who can run an offense, get him some good looks, maybe open things up a little bit more for him. Um, I think the only argument you can make against Jonathan Taylor is that, well, traditionally, you know, you don't see many running backs be the top dog two years in a row, but there's, that's the literally the only argument which can make, which isn't a very strong one in this case, especially since we're not going just by, you know, traditional stats and saying, oh, well, maybe he won't, uh, you know, score however many touchdowns he scored last year again in a row, right? It's about his effectiveness overall. So I don't see an argument for anyone else candidly. 
Yeah. When I, when I was scouting JT, when he was in college, I thought that he didn't have the upside that I wanted to see. He did everything extremely well, but I didn't see things that were like extremely special, right? Until he got to the combine and then he got to the combine and he ran in the four threes, I believe at like 225 pounds or something like that, maybe even more heavier than that. Um, and it blew me away, right? So it's like, if you can do everything well, and you're also this elite athlete, you're going to have success. And I don't think there's many running backs in the league that do that as well as Jonathan Taylor does. Um, any, anything else to add to before we move on? No, he's good all around. I, I think that's, uh, it's unquestionable. That's, that's, the, uh, that's the first running back off the board easily. Great. All right, so we're moving on to receiver. So we are, we are using a three-receiver set here. Um, and the three receivers we chose were Justin Jefferson at number one, Jamar Chase at number two, and CeeDee Lamb at number three. So there's a big age factor here. I think that's what is going to maybe shock some people, right? So you might be thinking Devontae Adams deserves to be up here, Tyreek Hill. But those guys are already 29, 28 years old. Um, you know, yes, they're great. But can you guarantee that they're going to be good for the next three to five years? Because I certainly can't. Uh, but with with Jefferson, Chase, and Lamb, that's something that you would expect. Uh, and then, you know, just to – besides the rage, right? So jo uh, Justin Jefferson had a 90 grade last year. Jamar Chase, as a rookie, had an 83 grade. CeeDee Lamb in his second year had an 84. Um, you know, and these guys, they check every box of something you would want from your typical receiver. They run amazing routes. They are all, you know, a good size. They're not – you know, none of them are huge, but they're all a good size for a receiver. Uh, they're quick. They have plus uh, plus hands. They don't drop a lot of passes. You know, Chase's issues with that in the beginning of the year seem to just go away. Um, and then besides that, they're all part of good offenses with established QBs. I think that's something that goes overlooked at times. You know, uh, one person that we'll talk about later, uh, DK Metcalf, you know, I think that there's an argument to be made that he would be on this list. But losing a Russell Wilson and with the uncertainty of his quarterback situation, are they going to be able to get them, him the ball for him to make that plays and make that impact to grade out extremely well? Uh, Jefferson, you know, has Kirk Cousins. Chase has Joe Burrow and Lamb has Dak. I don't think there's any question there. And all of those guys are signed with those teams over the next few years. Um, I feel very confident about this three. Um, yeah, guys, anything on that? No, I think this list could probably look a little bit different next year just because we see young receivers, you know, kind of kind of get it really quick, you know. Um, these 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 rookie receivers are coming out of college and they look so different. But, um, yeah, I, I really wouldn't pick any three receivers, any, any receiver over these three in a, in a dynasty setting. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Um, you know, if you wanted to play a game tomorrow, yeah, sure. Give me Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill. Cooper Cup, but um, you know, again, we're looking at this long term, and so I think I think these three guys are right in the wheelhouse of what you want to see. Yeah, I apologize for forgetting Cooper Cup. I feel like I, ha I have to say that to the Rams That's fan, your boy. fans listening to yeah. this. Yeah. All right, moving on. So tight end, we uh, we took Mark Andrews. Bobby, I'll let you talk about Andrews. Yeah, still just twenty five years old. Um, Chris, you and I say all the time. I feel like tight ends getting like their their prime right around the age of like 27. So to think that we haven't seen the best of Mark Andrews is pretty scary. Um, 91.5 grade overall last season, 
and then he had eight weeks of 80 plus grades. Um, so that's pretty, that's pretty substantial. We've seen enough of a sample size on him to know that, you know, his grades aren't going anywhere. This is, this is about who Mark Andrews is. If anything, we'll see a little bit better. So um, you could make a case for Kyle Pitts. In my opinion, that's a bit of a gamble just because we haven't seen those 90 plus grades so much yet. I think he's still kind of adjusting to, to his role there and, and um, what they're asking him to do in Atlanta. So um, definitely think we'll see some users, like I said, roll the dice and take Kyle Pitts over Mark Andrews. I'm certainly not doing that. Yeah, I think one thing to, to add to that is just his run blocking ability, something that not every tight end has and not every tight end that has a big name right now, right? So like you talk about the guys that can catch the ball being the guys that are, you know, you want to target like a, like a Pitts. But Mark Andrews separates himself because he's, he's an incredible run blocker in an offense that's going to run the ball a whole lot, right? So to offer that flexibility to his team is a, is a huge piece of, of his production that goes kind of like unnoticed. Right. I think, I think given, given more contested catch um, opportunities, I think, um, you know, you could see Kyle Pitts start to creep up on Mark Andrews, but now with Mariota there, not really a guy that takes a ton of chances. Um, I'd rather have Lamar Jackson throwing, throwing my tent on the ball than, uh, than Marcus Mariota right now. Agreed. All right. So Ray, you're going to kick it off at tackle. Yeah. So, this may be the one outlier sort of to the age theme that we've been discussing and mentioning here, but Trent Williams tops the list, even though he is 33 years old. Uh, we do see tackles play well, well into their 30s. They have a longer lifespan than just about any other position um, in the league. And he's shown obviously no signs of slowing down. He had a historic season uh, last year, graded you know 97.8 overall, nine weeks of 80 plus grades. Uh, just really separate himself from everyone else. So, yeah, age is a bit of a factor here, but until you start seeing signs of him slowing down, it's hard to take him off of this list because he's still better than everyone else out there. It's it's, it's more of a question of how long he's going <laughs> to want to play, right? I mean, that's like that's that'd be the only thing I worry about. It's like, is he going to want to keep playing or, you know, is he going to is he going to want to get his Super Bowl and, and bounce, you know? Um, do, you, do you think that's why they put him in motion? <laughs> do you think that's no, why they like, put him in motion, like in short yardage and just give him a running start to like just plow into people so they make sure he's like having a lot of fun so he doesn't want to retire? Yeah. Is that like... Those are like NFL <laughs> bucket list items on the flip side of that, you know? Like he's like, yeah, I want to line up a fullback before I retire. So like to see that he's doing that, like is that scary? Scary Maybe. in front of him. That's, <laughs> that's the scary. <laughs> yeah, true. True. Yeah. When, when we looked at the numbers as well, it was pretty evident that, like Ray said, there are tackles that play later into their 30s. There was actually a couple last year that played at 40. So, you know, he's not alone on this list of the older tackles playing. I think when we were talking about receiver, right, like when you look at that position and you look at the players above 30 that are still effective players, that list is very, very small. Um, so yeah. I think, you know, there's guys like Adam Thielen that are still doing it but doing it at an elite level, there, there's, there might not be any. Right. It's not going to be a question of if he can do it for the next few years. It's going to be a question of if he wants to do it. Exactly. Okay. So now we are on to guard. Guard is a hard one. So um, our list is Michael Onwano and Wyatt Teller. 
And uh, yeah, those guys, they're two of the best guards in the NFL. I'm not sure they would be my two picks, but we'll get to that later. Uh, Anwinu is only 24 years old. He had an 87 PFF grade, um, but he's somebody very interesting to talk about here, right? Because he lines up at different positions. Uh, only Bill Belichick has the guts to maybe take one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL out of a game. Like Ray, I think you had mentioned it. Like there, there are games where like he doesn't even start, right? Yeah, he's um, yeah. Which I mean, Belichick's done that before. He did that with Malcolm Butler in like the Super Bowl. I mean, he just he just does that. So, um, but overall, I mean, Unwinu is just so powerful. Can play multiple positions at a high level, but is just fantastic at guard. Is exactly what you're looking for. He's young. Um, others might have, you know, differing opinions on who they'd want as their top guard or in their top two. Uh, but on definitely in my top two at the very least at the position. So I'm, I'm a huge fan. Right. He's definitely not in my top two, but, but, um, yeah, he's solid. I mean, it's, it's, it is crazy though that, you know, we have a guy up there that maybe doesn't make the snap count every week. You know, we saw, we saw the Patriots ship off Shaq Mason, and you're thinking, okay, that means this is going to be on Wee News year, right? Like he's going to be the guy that, that comes in and, and fills that that hole. And then they go and get Cole Strange in the first round, and it's like, okay, now, now where do we stand? But I just don't see how you pull a guy out who grades in the 90s some weeks, you know, that's, uh, especially for a seventh rounder. That's, that's ridiculous. But understand why some people would take him top two. I'm not. Yeah, I needed a little backup on that one. Then the other player, Wyatt Teller, he might be a no-brainer, 27 years old. He's had two years in a row of, like, extremely elite uh, tackle play. He graded an 85 last year, um, and he's just a really gritty player. Like, he goes out there every week, and he's just, a, like, a mean SOB. Uh, definitely would want him on my team. What do you guys think? Would you would you take him? Oh, only a couple guards who I enjoy generally watching their highlights, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys know who my one guard is, but I'll save that for later. But Wyatt Teller's the other one, man. He's fun to watch. Um, you talk about just a just a bully. Um, he got paid, and he got paid for good reason. He's uh, he's an elite guard in the league, and still just 27 years old. We just talked about offensive linemen playing well into their 30s. He's absolutely one of my top two. Yeah, absolute steal, and I love that offense for him too. They run the ball a lot. He he can move. He's athletic. He's strong. It's it's everything you want. So, yeah, no-brainer. Awesome. So who – Bobby, you want to take center? Yeah, Creed Humphrey, man. I think uh, we talk about, like, future, like, endorsers of all 22, and uh, I think Creed Humphrey's got to be one of those guys, you know? He just he just has, like, that that look, you know? Like, you feel like he's, like, one of those lunch pail guys. Um, but on a serious note – in his rookie season, a 91.4 grade with three weeks with a 90-plus grade. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous for, for what he could do as a rookie. Um, I cannot wait to see what he gets paid. As we've said in previous podcasts, I think um, we'll start to see a spike in position value for centers because of guys like Creed. Um, but there's really nobody else to consider here over Creed Humphrey. He's uh, He's clear. Clear cut number one, number one overall center. Having having a center with a tackle build too just gives gives you some nice confidence. Like y- you feel good about that, right? Like because he's he's just a body that 
not every NFL center has, and it's going to give him a leg up on so many other guys. So that, that gets me that gets me excited for sure. Hog Molly. Yeah. All right, guys. So that's the no. Yeah, no, that, sorry, that's man. it. And Go center's ahead. hard. Like there's, think about the great young centers in the league that that have played and shown something. It's it's Creed Humphrey and Frank Ragnow. And then who else would you put on that list, right? Or would you put anyone else on that list? I can't think of any. And Creed did that, you know, as a rookie. He he catapulted himself to the top. So, yeah. Corey Lindsley, you know, he's probably on that list. All right, fair enough. All right. Well, I was thinking about Ragnow. Talk about it like a mean SOB and like a gritty player. Didn't he play with like a fractured yeah, throat? Yeah, he broke his throat. That's uh, – you, yeah. you want that guy. Like you want that guy on your side. It's a Dan Campbell kind of guy. <laughs> so he fits right in. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. So to summarize the all, all 22 offensive lineup, we have Joe Burrow at quarterback. We have Jonathan Taylor at running back. Our three receivers are Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and CeeDee Lamb. At tight end, we got Mark Andrews. Tackles are Trent Williams and Tristan Wirfs. Guard is Michael Onwenu and Wyatt Teller. And our center is Creed Humphrey. You got you to gotta feel very confident going out with that team every week. Got to feel good. How many, how many points per game, you think, on average, this offense is putting out? So just the offense, right? Like 45? Yeah. yeah. Right, like 40 plus, right? Every game. Mm-hmm. Easy. Unless Jason Garrett's <laughs> calling plays. <laughs> yeah, who's the coach? We didn't, we didn't decide on the coach of this offense. I'm going to say Zach Taylor just to stick with my point from earlier. Oh, God. It's not really the one I want to I thought we were saving that for a future episode. But yeah. The answer go is Shanahan. It's Kyle Shanahan's the only correct answer. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'll take Shanahan. He can run it. All right. So, guys, now let's see uh, what would you do different if it was just you and you didn't have to listen to me or Ray, Bobby. Like, what are you doing different at quarterback? Well, first of all, what I'm doing differently is I'm getting McVay, Gosh. not Shanahan. Ooh. Just, Just we'll start with that. I don't want to just like end on that and not mention McVay. At all 22 on your bodies and yeah, send that over yeah. him. Come at me, come at me. I'm sure my, I'm sure my Rams fans, the uh, you know, the hundred of them out in LA, will will come to my back. <laughs> <laughs> um, quarterback, I'm okay. So we talked about Joe Burrow. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, if people draft him over uh, over Pat Mahomes, totally understandable. But I'm one of those guys that's still going to take Pat Mahomes. As my uh, as my number one quarterback, so Pat Mahomes still just twenty six years old. I know he had a bit of a down year last year. We're calling it a down year, but he's still graded at an eighty point four. And I think a lot of where that grade comes from is the first few weeks of the season. Everybody was in panic mode about the Chiefs because they're still kind of letting the dust settle. Um, I think you're going to start to see more of those grades like he had in 2019 and 2020, where he graded a 90 and a 91.8. At the end of last season, I thought you saw a lot more consistency with his grades towards the end of last season. Started to look like the Pat, Patrick Mahomes of old. A um, lot less turnover-worthy plays. Looked like looked like in the beginning of last season he was starting to like really press things in the beginning of the year. Um, I think that's part of the reason why Chiefs fans were in panic mode. Um, and then he has an adjusted pass completion percentage of 80% throughout the season. Um, I'm not worried about Patrick Mahomes. I don't think he should be where he is on this on our list of quarterbacks. I still have him as as number one, and that's exactly where I'll take him this year. 
Yeah, I think I think something could be said for any of Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Mahomes, and Herbert. They're all you know guys that are under 26, 27 years old, something like that, playing at an elite level, have shown elite play. So I don't think you could go wrong with any of those guys. But I do think looking at the situations, that's where I would start to like divide the line. You know, uh, Patrick Mahomes just lost Tyree Kill. Uh, they paid him a lot of money. So the pieces around him, you're going to see start to like maybe not be the best pieces. And then the other reason, just because you don't know how long Andy Reid's going to stick around. I think that's really my biggest concern, right? Like he's got his, he's got a Super Bowl. Um, I think you could have seen him walk away after that season. Obviously he has the, um, the taste for one more, but at some point, you know, I think he's got to just say, you know, I, I, I got there, I did it and I'm done. And I don't think that's that far nah, away. Man. He's fueling up on cheeseburgers, dude. He's good for the next 10, 15 years. That's why I said taste. You mentioned they, you mentioned, you mentioned they, they lost Tyree Kill, but then they go and add Sky Moore in the second round, Juju Smith-Suster and MVS in free agency. And then they have like those sleeper weapons like Justin Ross mm-hmm. and even like oh Corey Coleman. Gosh. Okay, that's it. Corey Coleman. <clears throat> Probably segment's done. <laughs> no. If you, if you guys, if you guys watch, uh, if you guys have ever seen Moneyball, right? They talk about like replacing players in the aggregate, right? Mm-hmm. Getting a bunch of players to replace one one marquee player that they've lost, right? And I feel like that's what the Chiefs have done. So I'm not really worried about them losing Tyreek Hill. And this is nothing against Joe Burrow, but what we've seen from Joe Burrow is limited sample size. He hasn't gotten paid yet, so we don't know what that looks like for the rest of his team. So I don't know. I just feel like. Pat Mahomes is a little bit safer. That's why I'm going with Pat Mahomes. Okay. And, I, and I'll finish my point with, so I said before that no, no, Chris, so, Chris always so, wants the last word. I made my point. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not combating yeah, your always point. always wants the last I'm word. I'm not combating your point. I'm just saying who I would choose, okay? So you have Mahomes. I'll say nothing else about Mahomes. What I will say <laughs> is that I said I didn't have the most confidence in Zach Taylor. I, that is a legitimate concern of mine. And I think that like literally could be just the difference between – Burrow and Josh Allen and why I would choose Josh Allen. I, I have all the confidence in, in the world in that coaching staff in Buffalo. Um, they've done a tremendous job building the team around, around him. Um, so I think I go Allen. I think he would be my, my choice for number one. And now you guys can tell me why I'm wrong. Wow. No, I, I really wouldn't disagree with that either. I just, it's just not my preference. That's all. Okay. Yeah. Right. You <clears throat> no, tell me why I'm wrong. Come on. It, Bring it you're on. going with the guy like it's oh, Josh Allen. Yeah, he's like the hottest name. He's, he's, I mean, he's improved tremendously. It's like, can't tell you why you're wrong without looking like an idiot. Like, Josh Allen's a fantastic choice. It's why he's mentioned up here. It's just the only way he would be wrong is because of the arguments for someone like, like Pat Mahomes or Joe Burrow or the other guy that gets mentioned here in Justin Herbert. I don't know if you want to talk about him now or not, but that, that you know, it, it's got to be one of those four names, really. Um, if, if you're starting a team right now and looking to win over the next three to five years, given their age and their production and, and how well they're playing. So it's not that you're wrong because of anything in Josh Allen's game. It's you might be wrong because of how good someone else is. No, but you could be wrong. You could be wrong because of like external factors, like losing your offensive coordinator to the Giants. You know what I mean? That's what I was looking for. Appreciate it. Brian, Brian Dable not there. Your head coach is a defensive-minded head coach. How does that affect Josh Allen? I was waiting for the Giants fan to chime in. I was, like, setting it up. I, I threw the ball up, just waiting for you to slam it. 
but you got there. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. It took it took a Cowboys fan spewing out a bunch of garbage. Yeah, yeah, if you wanted so, to pass up a layup, sure. It's like, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Slam dunk. He Ray. can't do no layups. Yeah. So, Ray, what, what were you saying about uh, about? Yeah, Herbert? so Herbert's the other name here. I'm not sure he's my number one guy. Uh, I actually mentioned in one of the very early episodes that I think we could see a bit of a regression in the very short term with Herbert as opponents adjust to what he's done well to date. We've, we saw a bit of that regression too, kind of with, with Mahomes and basically every great quarterback goes through that early in their career, right? Um, once the league sees what they do well, the league adjusts and then the great ones also adjust. And I have no doubt to my mind that when that time comes, Herbert is also going to adjust and be able to continue to ascend and stay among the top, uh, top tier in the league. Right. But, so again, just talking more so long-term outlook, I think it's it's a really good thing for for Herbert that the Chargers now spent two first-round draft picks on the offensive line in the last two years with Rashawn Slater uh, and Zion Johnson. Uh, I mean, Herbert overall was third in overall grade in 2021, and that was with his wide receivers leading the league in drops during the regular season. So, and our grades obviously account for that, but you anticipate a reversion back to the mean as it relates to drops. And that would mean that the offense is being put in some better situations moving forward. And just overall dating way back to his entrance into the league, that Oregon offense didn't really uh, accentuate his strengths. It didn't really show everyone what he could do. And it wasn't necessarily translatable to the NFL game. So I think he's still early on in his ascension and there's still a lot of meat left on that bone. So I think there's a lot of positive factors uh, pointing uh, upwards for Justin Herbert, even though we've kind of had the coaching discussion here, and I'm not a huge fan of uh, you know of their head coach out there in in LA, at least as it relates for for Herbert. But there's so many factors that are going in his favor, and I think he's just that good of a player that he's going to be among the top for for many years here, and you you can't really go wrong in investing in Justin Herbert. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Herbert's a great choice. Uh, and if you're sitting at home asking, all right, you all said different quarterbacks, how did you end up with Joe Burrow? You know, I think it's really just like a, like the average average game. You know, when you get voted number two by everyone and everybody else gets one in four votes, you end up on top. And that's what that's what happened with Burrow here. A lot of it's also the result of our equation, right? I mean, our equation takes everything into account. Um so I think we start there and then kind of put our opinions on yes, it of course. after that. Of course. All right, guys. So going to running back, I, I don't even want to like attempt to say anything that Jonathan Taylor is not the guy I would choose because it, it's just, it just wouldn't be true. But do either of you have somebody else that you would take over Jonathan Taylor? Just tweet at nope. us if you have someone else besides Jonathan Taylor because we'd love to hear it. If you have an argument for like Javante Williams or something, like send it to us. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to see it. Because I, I think it clearly has to be Jonathan Taylor. Someone's going to tweet Brees with us <laughs> next. Let's go. Yeah, we don't want to be roasted for that one, so we'll let one of our Ray just wants yeah, you to be roasted, you like you listener. Um, okay, so then going to receiver, um, we had Jefferson, Chase, and Lamb. Uh, Ray, you kick this off. Did you have somebody different? Yeah, uh, Jalen Waddle. Um, I, I think he's he's poised for a huge breakout. He's popular among pretty much all formats now in fantasy, uh, especially rising in Dynasty, even with the Tyreek Hill acquisition out there in Miami. Uh, 
still plenty of ball to go around there. But if you look at Jalen Waddle more closely, he was a top eight receiver in the NFL after week eight. And we all know that he's an absolute speedster, one of the fastest guys in the game. Um, but he only caught four passes greater than 20 yards downfield last season. That may be a result of Tua and, and Tua's game. We don't know. Maybe it's Tua just need another year away from that hip injury or just a new offense to unlock that. We don't know, right? More time to More throw. More time to throw. That's another one, right, given that offensive line, which they invested heavily in this offseason. So you're going to see an improvement there. I love Mike McDaniel. I love what they've done from just an offensive coaching and schematic standpoint. I mean, their head coach had a front row seat and was the right-hand man for, for Shanahan when you saw what they did with Debo Samuel and, and the sweeps and, and the creativity that they put in that offense to get their best players and their most dangerous weapons the ball. And now you let Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill play off of each other with that creativity, and that's just going to open up so much space, whether it is down the field for those deep passes or just over the middle for some yards after catch opportunities there. I think that bodes really well for for Jalen Waddle. Um, they're going to get creative. The possibilities are endless. Um, and again, he was also, like I said, second half of the year, he's a top eight receiver as a rookie, and the situation around him has gotten much better. So I think the arrow's definitely pointing up for Jalen Waddle. Bobby, who do you got? My receivers are pretty much the same as they were. It didn't have any edits there. Um, I do like Ray's case for Jalen Waddle. I think um, it's probably a toss-up for me between Jalen Waddle and C.D. Lamb. I think C.D. Lamb now getting into that wide receiver one role, which we haven't really seen yet. Um, I'm curious to see what that what that looks like. I don't know if that's going to be too much for him or if he you know kind of thrives in that role. So I don't know. I think Jalen Waddle enters the conversation with C.D. Lamb, but maybe not with those other two guys. Okay. The the only other guy I wanted to mention was Metcalf. I think like I'm an outlier in the analytics community with Metcalf. I don't think a lot of analytics people like love him. Um, but in three years in the NFL, he's had three essentially elite elite years. The last two were both uh, 80 plus grades. So you know he's doing th- you know he he's a productive. He's not just a productive receiver. He's also doing the little things well that PFF would grade on. So I think that goes unnoticed. Um, but besides that, you do have this, this, you know, physical beast, right? Like, I don't think there's any receiver in the league with the physical traits that he has. Um, he is improving as a route runner. We've seen that. Um, and he makes a lot of big plays. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does with a new quarterback. Obviously losing Russ is not great for his stock. Although when we saw last year, Russ go down, the quarterbacks that replaced him targeted, DK more than rusted himself. So the opportunities may actually grow as a result of this. I just don't know if they're going to be great opportunities, right? They might be forcing him the ball, forcing him to make some really difficult plays, but that's what the best, best receivers in the league do well. And I think DK is one of those, one of the best receivers in the league. Okay. From there, we'll go to tight end. Um, Mark Andrews was the choice. I'll start this one. You know, just saying that I actually think Mark Andrews was the right choice. I, I did have him as my number one. Um, I don't think that there's many receivers in the NFL that we've seen in our lifetime be as productive as he's been as early in their their career as he has been. And the ones that have been are essentially like Hall of Fame players, right? So 
I'll go on a limb and say it that I think Mark Andrews is on the tra- trajectory to be a Hall of Fame player with what he's done so far. So I'm not changing a thing here. I, I, I'm not saying I would change it, but I may. Because Kyle Pitts, so Mark Andrews is actually the only tight end with a higher rate of routes run per snap than Pitts last year. Right. And it's, you're talking 93% to 92.4%. Right. So uh, Mark Andrews, everything is well documented as, as how great he is, how well rounded he is. He's fantastic. Right. But as a, what, 20 year old, I mean, Pitts was pretty much top five in every receiving category at the position um, in a pretty bad situation over there in Atlanta. And so we know he's, he's a fantastic receiver and he's being used as such, right? So he may not be a great run blocker. His blocking isn't great, but that's, that's okay because they're not asking him to even do that. Um, he's, he lined up out wide, like at wide receiver, not even in the slot, but out wide over, over a third of all of his snaps last season. So they're using him to his strengths. So as that situation improves and that roster gets better, they already have Garrett Wilson. So you think that'll open up some, some more opportunities for Pitts, um, you know, in the passing game as well. And in the middle of the field, he's not really the, you know, he, now he's not the only dangerous weapon out there in Atlanta. So that'll open things up for him as well. And he's just so young that it's almost like you want to say, okay, yeah, I get it. It's three to five year window is really what you always want to be looking at. But we see tight ends playing well into their thirties and well into their thirties. So to get someone like Kyle Pitts and I don't even have to worry about him maybe till 2035, I'm going to take it. So I I think there's a strong argument uh, for Pitts, whether you're talking about starting a dynasty team today or even looking into who is going to be on the all, all 22 team 12 months from now, I think he has a strong case for either of them. So just making the case for Pitts because I know he's a fan favorite and I can definitely see why. I think you meant to say Drake London before. Did I say, right? yeah, getting Wilson. my receivers mixed up there. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, you're good. Um, I don't know. I feel like, honestly, Ray, I could get on your, I could get on that bandwagon if, if Kyle Pitts had even a top 15 quarterback. But right now it's like, I don't know. I, I just don't, I just don't trust it. It's not Kyle Pitts. I don't trust, but yeah. I, I just don't trust it. He'll get those opportunities to, uh, he also to didn't have one last year. I'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> he, I mean, it's good. And Matt Ryan wasn't a top 15 quarterback. I don't even know. By, I'm not going to look at the grade right now. Just by, by me. He wasn't top 15 by me. Yeah, not by I feel me. like he was. I think he was. I think he was. The, the only thing I'll add to Kyle Pitts is he played last season at 20 years old. So like, the fact that he's going to play this year at 21 is absurd, right? So, like, he was a he was a top whatever graded tight end at 20 years old. That does go a long way. I think that does say a lot about his futures. I still think it's it's Andrews just because of the the guarantees that you've you have you've seen it for a longer period of time at a young age. But Pitts being 20 years old or 21 years old this year is very attractive. Absolutely. Okay. So tackle, we had Trent Williams and Tristan Wirfs. Uh, Bobby, you want to take tackle? Lead that one. Actually, actually want Ray to go first in this one, and, and you'll see. Okay. Okay. He's, he's go ahead, Ray. Stuff. Anyway, no, it's no, no, okay, no. Okay. I, I'm going to be next nice. is Rashawn Slater here, Browns. right? So, I mean, he was a rookie who didn't even play. Remember, he did not play in 2020. 
and yet he was a second-team All-Pro last year as a rookie. And his grades are nearly identical, whether you're talking run or pass blocking. So he's just like, he's just the model of consistency. And we talk about how great Trent Williams was, and he is. But you could turn on the tape, and Micah Parsons kind of like pushed Trent Williams like a child into the lap of his quarterback during the playoff game last year. But yet, when he went up against Rashawn Slater, Rashawn Slater handled him pretty comfortably. And then Micah Parsons moved over to the, uh, to the right side and, and just beat up on Storm Norton all night. But Rashawn Slater is just so comfortable. He's, he just played so well as a rookie that hadn't played in over a year. And just everything about his game is so smooth and balanced. And now he's got better talent around him on the offensive line. We talked about how the Chargers are investing in the offensive line overall. So I think as that situation is going to improve even more, I just think he's a cornerstone just like Herbert and others are becoming cornerstones in that offense out in L.A. So um, I would definitely uh, take Rashawn Slater as one of the top two tackles that I'm taking off the board when I'm starting a team. So the reason I want to go second is not because I'm going to disagree with anything Ray said. It's because I actually completely agree. I disagree with the two guys that are there from a dynasty perspective. So we have right now Trent Williams um, and Tristan Werps right there. Trent Williams, obviously 33 years old. That's why I don't have him there. Okay. Tristan Werps plays right tackle, um, put up an 84 grade last year. Okay. And I love Tristan Wirfs, okay? I want to make that that clear. I just don't love him as much as the two guys that I would choose. Tristan Wirfs plays the right side. Donovan Smith signed a deal for a couple of years to play the left side. Now, if Tristan Wirfs goes and swings back to the left side, loses Tom Brady, is he still the same guy? Loses Tom Brady, you have to think that, that probably a coaching change there in a couple of years too after Brady leaves, right? I think everything's too temporary in Tampa Bay for me to really invest in a position, in a high-value position like tackle, um, it just rubs me the wrong way a little bit. So I'm going to go with Jordan Mailata, and uh, and and I'm going to omit those two guys. So I'm going to take Ray's guy. I'm going to take Jordan Mailata. I'm getting rid of Trent Williams. And I'm taking and I'm getting rid of uh, Tristan Wirfs. Mailata hmm. is still 25 years old. He improved in every category from 2020 to 2021, right? 68.3 run block grade in 2020, 87.8 run blocking grade in 2021. That's ridiculous. 67.7 pass block grade in 2020, 83.3 pass blocking grade in 2021. Huge improvements for somebody who just started playing football in 2018. Guy had never played the game until 2018. That's ridiculous. Only three sacks allowed, 97.4% pass blocking efficiency last year. I love Jordan Mailata. I think he's one of those guys that could play for the next 10 years and play it at an, at an elite level. So that's my guy. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Mailata is great. Uh, you know, I th if I'm starting my team, I think I do take Trent Williams and Tristan Wirfs. I think those would be my two choices. And uh, one of the reasons being is like, yes, Trent Williams' window might be smaller, but I still think it's at least two, three years, but he plays at such a high level that he's actually an outlier. When you run the numbers and you actually start looking into this stuff, like in order to get your numbers to work well, 
you have to remove Williams because it starts becoming like nonsense when he's in there. Like he just like raises everything so high. So I want that elite play on my team. I want that that piece that's going to separate himself from the rest of the tackles in, in terms of his grading, how he grades week to week. Um, so I'm taking those two guys, but I think there is an argument to be made for Mylotta, for uh, Slater. And then the only other one I wanted to mention was Penny Sewell. Um, neither of you guys spoke about him. I'll just add that, you know, I think what he was asked to do was really difficult. You know, he was starting, you know, training camp on the right side after playing left tackle in college. Then he had to go back to left tackle when uh, Taylor Decker got hurt during the season. And then he had to go back to right tackle. And during that time, he didn't miss a beat. So the whole season, he graded really well. Uh, I think he was like a high 70s grader at just 21 years old. So again, he's like a couple of years younger than most of the other guys that we're talking about here. Um, so I think his futures are really bright. I think on top of that, when you add in that, they just added Jamison Williams to the receiving core. So you're going to be able to get the ball out faster, right? You have a guy that's going to get open quicker. Quarterback can get the ball out faster. Uh, don't think there's really anything missing from that offense at this point. You know, some people might argue that it's quarterback, right? But the rest of that offense is really set. So like if you insert, if Jared Goff plays well, I don't think, you know, I think it'll help Sewell, but you also could insert, you know, the number one overall pick next year. And that guy, you know, whether it's uh, Bryce Young at Alabama or the Ohio State kid, like, you know, one of those guys can step in and that offense can just take off. So I'm really excited for the, the future of the Lions, but what Sewell has to bring as well. So I'll just end it with that. All right, we have guard, Bobby. Since you chickened out a tackle, you're going to do guard first. Chicken out. Made sense. It made sense. Mm-hmm. So guard, we have Wyatt Teller and Michael Onwenu. And I kind of made my points against Onwenu before. Um, and it's not that I don't like him. I just like Quentin Nelson way more, as as, as you both know. Um, so he st- started the 2021 season with a foot surgery that should have kept him out for at least the month of September, which is, which is wild, right? But he played through it, and I think you saw his grades take a hit because of it, right? Pretty clear. But even, even so, even playing that, through that injury, still had some pretty serviceable grades in the 70s, high 60s, which is, which is still pretty good for, for the average guard. Um, throw in a high, high ankle sprain that he suffered in week three, and then still came back a few weeks later, and finished off with still a pretty good season. Um, the last three weeks of the season, his average run blocking grade was 74.6. Last three weeks, pass block grade average was a 78.7. And his last three overall offensive grade was a 79. So I think we started to see him get healthy towards the end of 2021. He's still just 26 years old, like I said before. So coming into 2022, I think we'll see the Quentin Nelson of old. Only reason he's not on this list this year, in my opinion, is because he got injured. Um, as you guys know, now that we're pushing 30, you don't really recover as well as you did in your mid-20s. So um, I do think he'll spring back, he'll get healthy, he'll get right, and uh, he'll be that elite guard that we know him to be. I pitched a bullpen yesterday, and I don't think I'll be able to throw again for like two weeks. So, yeah, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, and I, I think that's the right answer. You know, on we knew. So, like, I'll just be a little different. I probably would take Anwinu, and I would take Nelson over Teller uh, because of age. Um, Nelson, you know, one thing you didn't mention, just his pat the previous two years before this year when he got was hurt 
was a 91.2 and an 86.2 on the season. So like we've, we've seen that elite level, right? We know that he can do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You also insert Matt Ryan into that offense. So maybe it's run a little bit better. Uh, You know, so I, I think if Quentin's healthy, there's probably not, there's probably not an offensive lineman I'd rather have over him. I agree. Yeah, throw those three in a soup, right? They're, they're all three really good. I would say, yeah, I think because of age, I would probably take on Winu and Nelson. You can't leave Nelson off the list. So I think it's Nelson, and then I just go, okay, well, on Winu's younger than Teller. And there's some stuff going on over there in Cleveland, you know, a little bit of disarray. We're not sure how that's all going to shake out. So maybe it's, you know, then you go with a safer bet, quote unquote, there with Onwenu. So, yeah, but all three fantastic. Can't go wrong with any of them. Cool. So I'll move uh, on to center. So Creed Humphrey was our choice. It's really hard to make an argument against Creed Humphrey. The only other player that I wanted to mention was Tyler Linderbaum. So I know he's a rookie. We haven't seen what he can do as a pro. Uh, You know, Creed Humphrey proved that a rookie can do that. So I don't think it's unquestionable that Tyler Linderbaum would step in and be elite. Uh, He is a completely different breed of player than Creed. Like Linderbaum's a a smaller stature for the position. Uh, But something I said about Mark Andrews is, you know, Andrews is a plus run blocker in an offense that likes to run the ball. Linderbaum is the exact same way. So he had a 96.3 run blocking grade last year in college. If you put that with Lamar Jackson behind him and J.K. Dobbins, a team that's going to run the ball probably like 40 times a game, you know, I think, you know, he's, you're just going to see the things that he's good at more more constantly. Uh, he had a 91.4 grade as a, so- a true sophomore and a 95.5 as a true junior. So this is a guy that graded out at an elite level every year while he was in college. Uh, he now goes to probably the most favorable offense for him to go to. So that's definitely a guy I would consider, although I'd probably still go Creed. Is there anybody else that you guys wanted to mention? I think Lindsley belongs in the conversation, although I would probably wouldn't take him. I definitely wouldn't take him over Creed Humphrey. I might take him over Linderbaum just because you've seen Corey Lindsley grade as one of the best centers in the league before. Essentially, that's why he got paid to go out to to L.A. and play for the Chargers. So, I I mean, I think he's dealt with some injuries in the past. But, um, you know, like I said, we've seen him we've seen him grade as an elite center. So I do think he belongs in the conversation. We'll probably get drafted lower than he should. So somebody to keep an eye on in your your startup drafts. Yeah, I think that's more of a good piece of of, of sleeper advice there. When uh, you catch some people napping on the center position, you could you can nab someone like that a little later than you think. And that could be a big help. Right. Is there anyone you want to add to the conversation, Ray, or, or those three That's guys? That's really it. I talked about my finish. broken throat guy, uh, Frank Ragnow, already. So I have him in, in our home league, and that's my guy. But I, I I wouldn't take him number one, right? I would definitely take Creed over him. Creed is the top guy for sure. I, I may take Ragnow over Linderbaum just because, again, same thing. You've seen it. That offensive line is getting better in Detroit. You would think they're on the upswing there. Um but Linderbaum went into such a good situation. It really is a toss-up between either of those two for the second guy off the board for me. So, yeah, can't go wrong with either. Great. All right, guys. Well, I think that's that just about wraps it up. Um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Next week, we will go over the defense, all-22 all, all team. Uh, and, again, we are live. So go to our site, sign up. We're excited to have you in there. Use the promo code. 
all 22 PFF, all caps, use it. You get 40% off and then go give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you still use Facebook, Facebook. And then if you're one of them young kids, go on TikTok. You could find us at all 22 underscore PFF. And then uh, please leave us a review if you enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you didn't, please don't leave us a review. Just joking. Um, yeah. And you can find us on YouTube, Apple, or whichever platform you use. So yeah, dir- direct all complaints to at all 22 underscore. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm the only one who didn't offend <laughs> or anybody. Underscore episode, eight. So I guess I'll take the complaints. Cool. Well, again, thank you all for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah.